Hey, everybody. Welcome to What You Do in Episode 11. I am Andy Morse, your host of this podcast. And today's episode is definitely a little bit more of a serious episode. I try to keep the content on this show fairly serious, but with good humor. However, this one is more serious, less humor. It's with my friend Nico, who is currently battling stage four pancreatic cancer. And, you know, I'm just going to bring us right into it. I don't think there's much of a preview. I definitely think this is an episode that everyone's going to get something out of, and I hope you do too. Good morning, evening, Nico. How are you? I'm good, Andy. Thank you for, <laughs> for noticing that it's evening. I'm currently in Sri Lanka, and it is 8.20 p.m. my time. <laughs> yeah, we were just talking about the time difference, and apparently you have a 0.5 difference on top of the 12 hours, which I, yep. I really want to look at a time zone chart and see like why like isn't it supposed to be just hours like isn't it supposed to be set up in 24 hours that's the idea like maybe i don't understand time yeah i you know i i thought that too i tried to explain this to my coworkers, but hey there are shades of gray that i don't understand and i sit my official time zone is gmt or utc plus 5.5 and for whatever reason you know what's even crazier is at one point it was just utc5 but Somewhere along the line, they decided to add a point five. I don't know. Man, that sounds like a Wikipedia article I'll probably be looking at later today. But uh, time zones aside, we wanted to talk about what's going on in Nico's life. Um, I don't know if you guys know Nico, but uh, you should follow him at heynico.com. We'll have all the links in the show notes after the podcast. But Nico, you've had a hard year. Yeah, I, I have. Uh, it started off great. So, well, we're talking about 2020, right, first, and not 2021. <laughs> well, let's say 365 days. <laughs> there you go. Yeah, first of all, I can't believe January is almost over for 2021. That's insane. But, yeah, let's fast forward to uh, 365 days, exactly a year ago, around this time. Um, it's, this was, you know, before the pandemic even set in. A couple of weeks before a wee year from now, actually, like early January 2020, I actually got married. Uh, no, I've been married for a while. I mean, I had my wedding. That's a different thing. And it was great. You know, we pulled off a giant Indian wedding uh, that spanned over three days. I was exhausted for two weeks. Uh, and it was great. Then as we neared towards the year, the pandemic set in. And I was like, oh, this is, this is wild, first of all. I couldn't believe what was happening. But I just was thinking, oh, I have, such a, I have a really good setup because I anyway work from home. I've been working from home full time for a year and a half at that point. Um, and as part of my, like, the company I work for, we were re- work from home remote uh, before it was pandemic cool. <laughs> so I thought it was really good. Yeah, and I thought it was a really good setup. And uh, before before the pandemic set in, we I spent a lot of money with my wife traveling. So I was like, oh, we can't travel now. Oh man, we're going to be saving bullets of money. Like, and I also had no, I didn't have any problems with job security because I knew that my job was safe. So, you know, put two together, I get to work from home. We're not traveling. We're going to be saving money. So we're going to come out of this pandemic, like in really great financial shape. Uh, and hopefully in some good physical shape because there's a gym in my apartment just above. So I thought, I thought I was going to do really well. Uh, I thought I was going to re- do really well. And the pandemic went on. My wife and I did really well not to like kill each other at home because in Sri Lanka, we actually had a really hard lockdown. 
um, our lockdown was nine weeks long. And it was as strict as the one that happened in China, meaning that you couldn't go outside for any reason. We couldn't even go to the grocery store. Could, the only way you could leave your house if you was if you provided an essential service, so if you were delivery of some kind, or you needed medical attention. And for those two cases, you needed a permit. So I couldn't leave my house. Like I would be breaking the law. Like that's how strict our our lockdown was. So for nine weeks, so from March to like early July, man, I was literally stuck at home. I couldn't even go outside. Luckily, we had everything delivered to the house uh, to my apartment, so we were we were fine. And then the other thing that was uh, interesting as the pandemic went on was our the company I work for, our business actually took off a little bit because we are in the marketing messaging, marketing messaging automation space for small to medium enterprises. And during this time, small businesses, depending on the sector, I guess, you know, if you were in a restaurant or any of those affected industries, they were going down, but we had other company, other types of industries that took off. Like if you were in e-learning or you know, all of those online-based businesses, your, yep. your business took off and ours took off too. So I started getting, work started getting even crazier, uh, even, even crazier. So I feel like I was working like double times. I would work really late a lot of the times, but then since I had nowhere to go, I thought that was okay. But then that really started like beating into my, you know, mental stress and whatnot. And this is where I think things started to go downhill because I remember what this was, I think late July. Uh, I just got off a really long day. I got off, I got off the phone with a client and then I just touched my neck uh, just because I was tired and I felt a bump and I was like, Whoa, this is weird because you know, your body has all kinds of bumps, right? Absolutely. Especially the more you age. Yeah, that's true. I was like, Oh, what is this? But then what freaked me out a little was I read an article, I think a week or two ago before that, about a story of, uh, I think she was a weather woman. Is that is that what you call yeah. you know, the newscasters? Meteorologist. Me, oh, Jesus. Yeah, you're right. <laughs> I'm sorry to all the meteorologists out there. <laughs> yeah, the story of a meteorologist uh, who got some, uh, got some feedback from a viewer saying, hey, uh, there's, you have a bump in your neck, get it tested. And when she got it tested, she actually uh, found out she had cancer. So that flashed in my mind. I was like, holy crap, like, what the hell? I, well, first I thought, oh, it must, uh, this pump of my neck must be like all these gains I was getting in the gym. Not like I was going very often, but, you know, I tried to think positive. But I was thinking that on one hand, and on the other hand, I was thinking, oh, gosh, like, what if this is cancer? So I remember running out of my office, my home office, and, 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 and telling my wife, like, something's off, something's weird, like, feel this, and I, I had her touch my neck, she's like, yeah, that is really weird, it was, it was, it felt as hard as a golf ball, like, right oh. at the base of my neck, like, where my collarbone is, yeah, it was really weird, so we called my doctor, uh, luckily, we couldn't, we couldn't, like, see him in person, so we just called him, and he's like, yeah, you might want to get that checked, uh, that's really weird, and this time, also, the lockdown lifted in Sri Lanka, so I could go to the hospital, you know, without a permit, uh, this time things were starting to open up. So I went immediately and got it checked and got an ultrasound and they said, Whoa, like one of your lymph nodes is swollen. I was like, Oh, that's weird. So, you know, just keep fast forwarding, uh, through many more tests and examinations. I got the news that I have cancer and I just couldn't believe it. 
Uh, it took about a few weeks, but as soon as they tested like my lymph node, they just said, you have a cancer of some kind. Uh, and now we have to start the process of figuring out where it's from. Mm-hmm. And I just, I just couldn't believe it. And now this was early August at this point. I just couldn't believe it. I just felt like, holy crap. But at the same time, I remember if, if you recall, I said that in the back of my mind, I knew it could be cancer or, you know, I had an inkling. And so it didn't hit me like a ton of bricks, but I was still shocked. And I, I went through all like the cycles of grief, you know, just, I just, I just felt betrayed more than anything. I was like, come on body. Like what the hell? So I'm going to pause you for just a second. Um, You're saying that you felt betrayed. Like, how did you handle those feelings? Like, I mean, was this something that you just, just kind of self, self dealt with? Or did you like reach out to someone? Because I mean, I think this is probably one of the hardest parts about cancer. Oh, 100%. I think what helped me, because just by nature, I'm a very prepare for the worst, hope for the best kind of guy. And I, I mentally prepared myself before I got the news, like, dude, this might be cancer, so don't be shocked. Uh, what helped me, uh, my, what helped and hurt me at the same time is that I was completely asymptomatic. Like, I did not have any symptoms of any kind. Like, I didn't feel, I just felt the normal, like, stress of going to work every day. Like, mm-hmm. I've been working long hours. So there was nothing really out of the ordinary. Um, so that, that helped me feel a little normal, but that also made the betrayal a little harder because, you know, I was just like, what? I just couldn't comprehend what that meant. So mostly I dealt with it myself. I mean, at the same time, I also started seeing a therapist for other things, uh, for other things. And that, and, and all of a sudden I was, you know, I was discussing all these issues and suddenly I just dropped the bomb in one of my sessions. And she's like, oh, wow. Uh, so she helped me really put in perspective. Uh, the most important thing that she said was, instead of asking why you, like why is it happening to me, saying why not. I mean, I don't have this stat on top of my head, but the number of people getting cancers every year around the world is like mind-boggling. It's insane. Um, don't look up Don't look up that stat because yeah, it's actually a little horrifying. Yeah, yeah it, it's absolutely crazy. So that kind of put into perspective for me. But So I, I think a day or two, I just couldn't believe it because I was thinking, oh, you know, a swollen lymph node just means like, oh, you just need to take care of yourself, right? Normally, like, I was speaking to my sister-in-law, who is a trained nurse, and she was like, oh, I, I have swollen lymph nodes all the time. Uh, this is just, you just need to find out, like, what you need and treat it. That's fine. But knowing that this could have been cancer, I was like, wow. Uh, that was absolutely nuts. I mean, my wife took it tough, and then we had to then explain it to our family. Um, and at this point, I still didn't have a diagnosis. And that was what came next and was quite a process. Uh, it took 11 weeks from that first time I got it examined to get an official diagnosis. And that is because I have apparently a very rare cancer. I have a very rare cancer that's very rare for my sex and my age. So I had to go through like a battery of testing. If you, I mean, I, I think I wrote a blog post about the amount of tests I had to do uh to eliminate what like different kinds of cancer and what they ended up diagnosing me with is stage four cancer uh and also i think i need to like use this as an opportunity stage four may sound like a death sentence but it's not Mm. i mean statistically yes but all stage four means is that it has spread to like 
what it has spread to large parts of Europe, then large parts too, far, far away from the point of origin. So okay. through all the battery of testing, through all the battery of testing, they've, they've basically concluded that the cancer started in my pancreas. Um, so I had pancreatic cancer, but because it spread and is ended up in a lymph node in my neck, that's why it's stage four. Like mm. That distance is why it's classified as stage four. Because a lot of people like have this preconceived notion, like, oh my God, like if you have stage four cancer, it's like you're gonna die tomorrow. Which may or may not be true, but as you can see, I'm living proof. Like it's been this is, you know, how many X number of months and I feel quite normal right, <laughs> right mm-hmm. now. Uh, so that was the other tough part uh, of not knowing. Do so you I even have other me. lymph nodes that have been swollen or just the one? No, just that one, which is weird. So I've had it examined a few times. And all the other lymph nodes are okay. I have other lymph nodes near my pancreas that are swollen or are affected. Mm. Uh, that came up in like my CT scan or something. But for the most part, it's just the one in my neck, uh, which is weird. Because if I didn't like touch my neck or like feel it i wouldn't have known because i am not i don't exhibit any symptoms like especially so the classic symptoms for someone with my kind of cancer so my kind of cancer is stage four pancreatic cancer you would have like abdomen pain jaundice which sounds really crazy uh what else yeah abdomen pain jaundice is the big one um and a few others i exhibited nothing i, I felt normal so if i never went through i would have never known like who knows how far i would have progressed uh, was it, but through that process, just the anxiety, I felt, I mean, for the most part, I was just being very pragmatic about it. Mm-hmm. I was just like, you have cancer. Like I was just trying to get to like, how do I like, let's get to the treatment. And I couldn't start that process until the doctors actually finalized what kind of cancer. I learned a lot about cancer, this process, like for example, chemotherapy, which is a very common form of treatment for cancers is basically a bespoke process where yep. they have to write down a cocktail of things to give you based on the cancer you have. Chemotherapy is not like a one-shot thing where everybody gets the same thing. Yeah, I so should, that, I, which was new to me. Like, like I just kind of assumed yeah. it was, you know, hey, drug yeah, A, every, drug three, drug three, four, yeah. right? Like, here you go. Go to, go to uh, calling aisle five. Go, can I get some chemotherapy? No, it's a very, very bespoke process. So until they they finalized my diagnosis. I couldn't start. So I was waiting at the edge of my seat and I didn't start my treatment until uh, the last week of October. Uh, So I went, imagine I went through 11 weeks of just, I was trying to live my life at the same time. You know, I had to tell my, I had to inform people at my job, like, Hey, this is something that's looming. Luckily they've been very, very accommodating with everything. Um, And then eventually treatment started. Uh, end of October, and man, that was crazy. Uh, so what they, what my treatment plan ended up being was my doctors recommended, all right, yeah, for at least three months, which is every other week, so in here, every other week to go for chemotherapy. I was actually not eligible for other kinds of uh, cancer treatment, you know, such as radiation therapy or... Oh, interesting. Uh, why? Do you it, know why? Yeah. Yeah, it's simply because... The the cancerous growths that they found has is has been filled with mucus, which is weird. So think of it as like my growths are like a water balloon, and inside the water balloon are cancerous cells. So if they go in there with anything sharp, they're gonna pop the balloon and it's gonna leak in my abdomen, which is why the only way to really yeah, it's wild. So that that's why they eliminated it so quickly. They said you cannot do any kind of surgery or radiation therapy. Our best bet is to fight it with chemotherapy. So I'm like, great, like, let's just start. 
so with chemotherapy, I mean, I could also get another kind of treatment called immunotherapy, which is uh, chemicals uh, or like treatment that attacks the growths at a gene level. But I wasn't tested for it at that point. It wasn't eligible. So my only option late October was chemo. Um, so they wanted me to do six cycles of chemo every other week for three months. So six cycles. And the chemotherapy regimen they put me on was quite tough. Uh, it was a 48-hour infusion. So I had to be in the hospital for three days almost, like two and a half days. So I would go into the hospital on Thursday, Thursday morning, and I would get to leave at Saturday afternoon-ish. So when you say uh, 48 hours, time, were you on a infusion drip all 48 yeah, hours? All Oof. 48 hours, pretty much. And it was basically a cocktail of different drugs. Like I would, I think the cycle was, I would have four different kinds of IV bags. The first IV bag was two hours long, and it was actually two IV bags coming into me at the same time. And that was actually pretty toxic. And my doctor was like, this, we're giving you the toughest schedule uh, that you, that a uh, that a pancreatic cancer patient can have simply because of my age and I would be willing, I was going to be able to take it. And I was like, all right. <laughs> I mean, I was, I was a little frightened because I mean, just those words like toxic, this is the strongest we can give you. Like, Chemotherapy is no joke. No. Uh, so I, and I remember going through the first one and I think I went through it. Okay. I didn't have any of the, like the classic symptoms of chemotherapy, like throwing up or anything. So I remember walking out of my first chemo session saying, oh, I could do this five more times, you know, feeling really cocky. But then I just, the more I did it, the worse it got, unfortunately. I hate to make light of this, but now looking back at it, uh, yeah, it was, it, was, it was tough. I think in cycle four or five was the first time I threw up, um, which was tough. And then I just got even more and more fatigued as I did mm-hmm. the cycles. Uh, and I remember... During this three-month period, I felt like I was in a loop. I would like I would be in the hospital for two and a half days or three days, and then I would be at work or trying to do the weekends or live for 11 days, and I would just rinse, repeat, rinse, repeat. I was still working full-time. Um, so that I remember those three months were, where it was absolutely chaos. Uh, so I, I completed my sixth cycle actually on January the 3rd. I was actually in the hospital on New Year's Day. Uh, for, I wish I wasn't. But I was. This is the best news and, to be in the hospital. If you had to pick one in your <laughs> life, like this is probably the best one. Uh, I, I don't know. And I walked out of there, completed six cycles, and I visited my doctor and because this was my first milestone. And uh, we, I got some scans done, and the scans actually revealed something interesting. It, it revealed that the growth didn't advance. Hooray. Uh, but unfortunately, it looked like the growths didn't decrease either, which is the primary goal of chemotherapy. So this confused the hell of a hell out of my doctor, first of all, uh, which 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 disappointed me a little bit. Uh, but I wasn't surprised because this has been a very weird case to begin with. Uh, so I walked out of that meeting with my doctor, and he actually recommended I take a thirty-day break from everything. And I was relieved because I think going through that process. Uh, each with each cycle, I just get, I just get kept feeling sicker during the chemotherapy, and it just got even more intense as I went on. But the funny part is, in between chemo cycles, I used to, I was fine. So it was the chemo itself that was mm-hmm. making me like sick, totally. uh, which 
it was bad. I, I remember walking out of chemo session for the next 24 hours. I would feel bad, but then I would, you know, uh, would feel fine for the rest of the time. And then I would just rinse, repeat, go back. But then hearing the news about getting, taking a 30 day break, uh, just was a gift to me. I mean, I just want to let everybody know, like, I'm not out of the woods yet. Like it's, <laughs> I'm not ignoring the fact that I have cancer. It is not, it, I didn't fight it. I'm not a, I didn't beat it or anything. Uh, but right now I just feel at peace because I've taken a break. My body's healing again for better or worse because my body regenerates and cancer gets stronger. I don't know. All I know is I'm not in the hospital. It's been like two weeks since I've been in the hospital. I've had a jab. I used to get a jab almost daily, uh, for, to keep my blood. Oh, I was like, what are you talking Uh, about? Okay. Okay. Like blood work. Yeah. No, no. The actual, so one of the injections I had to take was a blood booster. Uh, because uh, with chemotherapy, your platelets and your white blood count goes so low. I used to take an injection every day to like artificially boost it up uh, faster than my body could generate. Oh, uh, okay. Because I, I was back in the hospital every 11 days. So in those 11 days, I had to basically get my blood back, my white blood cell count up or keep it stable because it was if it dropped below a safe level, I could not handle the chemotherapy. So I used to get an injection every day almost. For six days after chemo to get wow. my... And did you have to self-administer yeah. that? No, I had a nurse come in. Oh, okay. It's a very awkward angle by my shoulder and I couldn't really turn. Uh, so I had a nurse come in and yeah, that that used to be my that used to be my daily regimen. I just like go to chemo, then I had someone giving me jabs uh, once a day, every day. Then I used to take a cocktail of other medication to prevent nausea. And I haven't had any of that for the last two weeks. And man, I'm going to tell you, like I feel like a normal human again. Like I'm working out again, uh, yeah. And the worst, I didn't even lose any of my hair. So like throughout any of the process, which is which is also uncommon. So that's when I knew something. My my condition is weird, uh, mm-hmm. but I think for the mostly, I'm just at peace with taking a break because I really needed it. It was a totally. rough three months. I I felt like rough, and I just want to thank like everyone. That supported me this process and one of the ways i kept people up to date because if, because you know if, if you have a lot of people that care for you they're they're going to want to know but one thing people have to know is if you have someone who is dealing with a chronic condition like this like they have a lot in their mind so you calling every day and you asking non-stop like what's going on like that takes a toll on the, the person who's going through this process and their family that's also very important because like my entire, so my family is not here with me. They're back in the Philippines. I've been in Sri Lanka, but my wife's family, my in-laws, like, you know, they have been inundated with that and they're living through this with me as well. So they've got that anxiety. They're seeing me, they're supporting me, go to the hospital um, and so forth. And it's tough on them too. So if you know someone who's dealing with a very chronic, like a serious chronic condition, uh, just kind of give them some space. Um, so one thing I did was I actually, uh, I think, before all of this even started, I left Instagram because I thought it was rotting our brains. I still do. Uh, but I actually went back on Instagram uh, just to keep people up to date, like my, my closest friends and family. And they actually really thanked me for that because they're like, you know, we, we know we don't want to bother you, but thank you for for putting up updates on Instagram. Uh, and the funny part was I actually posted stuff and like recorded myself while I was in chemo just to like kind of entertain myself, like mm-hmm. to have like like have conversations with my friends. So I used to post like interesting memes and, you know, during the, I, I remember I was in the hospital during the U S election. So all that frenzy, you know, provided talking points with, you know, I, I created 
like a dialogue with my friends on Instagram, which was fun. They would send me encouraging messages and so forth. Yeah, so that's been interesting as well. I still load Instagram. I think it, it still rots our brain, but it served a really good purpose for me to keep everyone up to date. Uh, so yeah, I think the main point there is just it's tough. It, I mean, it's crazy. I, it just rocked my world. Like it turned my entire outlook upside down from starting the year off with a bang, you know, having a really awesome wedding before the pandemic hit, and suddenly my life turned li- my life turned upside down. And now, uh, kind of going forward, I'm living like one thing that having cancer has taken away from me is like thinking about the future because uh, the future for me is uncertain. Um, especially knowing that everything I've done so far hasn't, I mean, didn't make things worse, but it didn't make anything better. So mm-hmm. I'm living by the day at this point. Like I wake up every day supremely grateful for everything, supremely grateful I don't have any pain, supremely grateful that you know my wife is there to support me, supremely grateful for all my friends and family that have supported me through all this. Yeah, it's been interesting uh, perspective. I'm just trying to live my life, even though I, I get to, only do this for two more weeks because I don't know I could go back by doctor he might put me back on chemo I don't know yet but all I know is I'm I have a little bit of freedom and I'm trying to enjoy it as much as I can uh, and it's been nice it's been nice I get to record this with you I don't know if I if even had time to record something like this with the <laughs> schedule I was on it was crazy uh, so I have a couple questions um, one we'll sure. start with kind of the weird one first so um, when I've been talking to people about this um, and this isn't a down or a negative of anything, but the biggest concern is that they feel that like other health organizations are weaker than the U S so, and me and you've talked about this, so I know the answer, but I really want this kind of out there for everyone. When you, you've gone to U S treatments, I mean, obviously nothing like this. Mm -hmm. You've gone to, you've known, you know, me and my wife's experience in the U S versus like what Mm -hmm. you're getting over in Sri Lanka where would you put the level of care you're getting and how much like confident are, are you in the doctors, even though they're not in this magical land called the United States? <laughs> That's a great question. And honestly, I've been super happy with the level of care I've gotten. Like the nurses, I mean, I primarily interact with the nurses because they're the one, you know, changing IV bags, yep. making sure. Uh, and they are super knowledgeable. They haven't been like panicked in any way. The only complaint I have is I wish the hospitals were nicer. I mean, I go to a private hospital here. I mean, they could use a fresh coat of paint, <laughs> to, to be honest with you. Ours aren't that nice here nice. either. <laughs> yeah, yeah, they're probably nicer. I mean, God, it's a drab. The walls are so drab. You're in there for. I, anyways, uh, I digress. The level of care has been very good. My doctor, uh, I love him. He is like a rock star here. Uh, he is a very popular doctor. He treats a ton of patients. Uh, he is also very up to date on different on like different treatment methods. And I know this because I I I I went to I think the Pancreatic Cancer Association. They call it PanCan. They had a they had a webinar recently about different kind of treatments with uh, cancer uh, pancreatic cancer care. And and they actually explicitly mentioned the 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 regimen he put me through was the best you could get for my kind of cancer. So he's very up to date. And the level of care I've gotten from everyone has been fantastic. I know it's a little wild because they've been dealing with the pandemic and everything, but mm-hmm. I've just been very confident. And, you know, the nurses are friendly there. So because I was back every other week, they kind of remembered me and yep. remembered them. And yeah, it was, I mean, I, I felt very confident and very pleased with the level of care I got. And here's another important thing. And please learn this lesson. 
I don't have insurance because not because I wasn't it because I was just being lazy because I'll be very honest with you in Sri Lanka uh, hospital care especially if you don't go to the hospital very often it's 99.9% of the time cheaper to just pay out of pocket it'll end up being cheaper than your premiums but unfortunately this is the 0.01% of the time where if you have a long-term chronic condition you need and by the time I you know start treatment is already too late to get cancer uh, sorry not to get to get insurance but fortunately for me, the, the healthcare system here is good and I can go to a private hospital and I can still afford the pain, the, the treatment out of pocket without any, and it's not bleeding me financially dry. I'm very thankful to still have a job and everything, but it's not like I'm bleeding left or right uh, financially. I'm glad you I mentioned that. It. Yes. Yeah. I mean, that's a, a thing. Guys. You have to know like cancer treatment is very expensive. It's a very arduous process. But I'm just glad that I'm able to afford it without insurance. But don't be like me. I don't care if you're 30 years old, uh, in your 20s or 30s, and you feel fine. You just never know what might happen. Please budget and get some kind of insurance uh, for medical. Like it's, I know it's not a sexy purchase. You'd rather have you know, a new PS5 or something like that. Or maybe buy GME stock <laughs> for people who are Don't, in the know. Not financial advisors. This is for entertainment purposes <laughs> only. Don't buy yeah, GME stock. My point there is it's not a sexy purchase, but man, uh, I just, if I had insurance, I would just, that's one less stress off my head. Yep. Uh, so it's a lot to deal with, especially if you're if you've been diagnosed with a chronic condition like cancer. Just don't mess around. Like I know if you're in your if you feel young, you just never know. I'm never, I'm 33 years old, and I've been diagnosed with chronic chronic cancer. I have stage four pancreatic cancer. You just never know. And just be prepared for that because the last thing you want is to be dealing with the financial stress of everything. It's already very stressful as it is. So kind of take care of yourself. Uh, so this is not an ad for <laughs> medical insurance companies by any means. I just it's just one of those necessary things. Sponsored by Allegiance like Medical that. Service. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. That was, that was yeah, a joke, yeah, everyone. That was not serious. Yeah, yeah, dude. Yeah, I've done that. Although if Allegiance, if you want to sponsor, <laughs> speaking of hey, which, uh, yeah, uh, that'd be great. <laughs> uh, numbers are looking great. Um, I just really wanted to reemphasize that, and again, I don't think that the people I've talked to were, I don't race, not racist, but I don't know what you were, what you think of when like you think of a certain country's yeah. technology is better. Right. But what I find interesting, from my perspective, is who's someone you know, who's lived in Montana his entire life and honestly is very very sheltered. You can get excellent care anywhere. It doesn't matter where you're at. Like it's amazing. <laughs> I think because of our medical system in the United States, we're very biased of how good it is. I don't personally think, unless it's like you have, and, and you obviously you have a fairly rare cancer, but even then, like the guy is very familiar with It's not like he's like, oh my God, this is impossible. Like, I mean, you don't feel like he's not knowledgeable. You've done your own research, and everything he tells you is within the confines of research that you found online, which is what we did with our doctor here. I mean, we didn't we did the exact same thing. I think being a consumer in medicine is great no matter where you live. And I, I do want to reemphasize that point because I think that is something that especially Americans think that we have this magical land that we live in that where, you know, and I'm not saying we have bad doctors here nor good doctors. I think great doctors are all over the world. And I think 
medical oh, services all over the world are way on the same level than you may expect. Oh, I, I certainly agree. I mean, a lot of the doctors here are, you know, trained. They go overseas. Like, really, the really good ones are trained in the UK. Some of them train in the US. Um, they come back here and they start up becoming very successful doctors. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, and it's all, like, word of mouth here, too. Like, I remember how I ended up working with the doctor was he was treating my friend's dad for cancer as well, and they loved him. So we got a glowing recommendation. I went with him, and, yeah, he's just... Yeah, I, I mean, it's great to stress that point. Like, sure, I live in a developing nation uh, of Sri Lanka, but our healthcare here is, is fine and affordable, too, <laughs> if you Which, don't have insurance. That is not it's something big. you could say here. I think, I mean... Yeah, I mean, oh, yeah, you're absolutely right. Like, we were looking at getting a particular medicine for my wife, and my doctor was concerned our insurance wouldn't cover it. And I kind of, like, giggled, and I was like, well, you know, we have some money saved, and so I think we're okay. And she just looks at me, and she goes... It's ten thousand dollars a shot, and I was like, "Never mind." <laughs> <laughs> I mean, like, no, no okay. Some of, some of my some of the treatments that I'm thinking are in that ballpark. I mean, it's great, but I'm strictly speaking about what I had to pay for, which is chemotherapy. Mm-hmm. For example, immunotherapy even here is quite expensive. It's like uh, five, like five grand a pop for a session or something. But yeah, that comes about. I'm just talking about like what I had to go through. Yep. I was just pretty astounded. But then oh, I this was one shot for chemo- chemotherapy. Yeah, one shot. That, this was just a one, one part of the treatment. So this wasn't even like the whole <laughs> thing. Like I was like, yeah. And like, you know, you, you see the bills when they come in and, you know, you always see all the charges and we couldn't have done. We, if we were in your situation, I don't know what we would have done. Like, I guess we wouldn't be living yeah, in this I house. Mean, that, that might be the case. Uh, so I yeah, think, I mean, there are always those. There's always those cases. I forget. I'm just. I mean, grateful. I'm grateful for that too. Mm-hmm. I'm just grateful for that because, man, just I'm the kind of person that is very fiscally responsible. Like, oh man, I'm so adult. I said fiscally responsible. <laughs> uh, and you so, talked about GM GME stock in the same podcast. So I mean, that's uh, that's pretty impressive. Yeah. <laughs> you know, I, I, know, I know. I know about Jimmy because it's all over the news. That's it. I, I, I know. I know. That, that, was, that, I mean, that was my attempt at humor. Uh, uh, um, but yeah, I was just very, very fortunate. Like I don't know, maybe because once you get into cancers and it's like become weird, and you want to do clinical trials and stuff, and clinical trials, uh, I don't know what even those even cost. But yeah, who knows? Uh, I'm just again. I'm trying to look at the more the more positive side again. I'm just so fortunate, so so glad that I can still. I mean, I have to stress that I'm not out of the woods yet. I'm not even close, you guys. I mean, that's just very important. But I feel like since I'm such a now person, like which is a stark change to who I was. I was you know, planning for the future um, and stuff like that. I just God getting up and doing normal things again, and that's been a blessing. So I think I'm going with that for now. <laughs> so one thing you did mention, and I kind of want to reiterate, because this is something that, you know, in my experience of just being a partner with someone with cancer was talking to people and having them like reach out and say like, how are you? I found that was the worst, the absolute oh, worst. Man. And like, it's something I'm trying very much not to ask you. 
Like even like when I open yeah. today, I usually ask the person. <laughs> I was like, God, do I say that today? Like, shoot, like it's a casual podcasting thing. Like, um, but like when you have a good friend and I know this is a little bit hard, but like when you have a good friend, what, what's the most effective way for someone to support you going through this traumatic experience? Oh, there's a, that's a really good question. Uh, I can tell you the number one thing not to do is check up on them every day. Like that, <laughs> my God, that's it's the worst. Crazy, right? It's the, it absolute, the absolute worst. worst. You know, I've had, I have, I mean, I don't throw anyone on the bus. Let's just say I had a few people that, you know, very assistant and I did calling too. every calling every day. I was like, dude, like, what are you doing? So don't do that. But what can you do to support? Uh, I'm going to tell you one very underrated thing to do. Letters of encouragement. Yes. Uh, so even, totally. even if it's, even if it's like sending them a video, like recording your phone saying, Hey, you basically want to leave them things that they can, catch up on in their time when they're ready so when you call someone you're forcing them to like drop what they're doing and respond to you or like text is i know text you can kind of do but video on the other hand nobody's expecting video like don't straight up video call the person but just leave a recorded message like leaving voicemail one of the greatest things is i encouraged uh, my friends and family to send me snail mail and a lot of them did like they sent me christmas cards like, christmas cards letters of encouragement I had someone um, who used to live, who currently lives in Austin, where I used to live, Austin, Texas, send me a jersey at the soccer club there, which was such a cool gift. Wow, that's awesome. Uh, yeah, and it had my name on it. And just like, remember where you're from. Like, small tokens like that go a long way. Because I remember when I was in the hospital, like when I'm there in my 48 hours, like I literally couldn't do anything. I'm tethered to an IV bag. I would read all these messages. I couldn't respond to all of them, but I read them all. And like, hey, we're thinking about you. Uh, you know, we love you. Thank you so much. Uh, that's all. I mean, I would say in my head, like, thank you so much. But I, I was so weak sometimes I couldn't type that out or record it. Uh, so, but it would definitely warm my heart just and be supportive. And and also less talking, more doing. A lot of people was like, oh, well, what can I'm so glad. That? I was going to yeah. say that if you didn't. So yeah. I'm so glad you did. Because yeah. I think like a lot of people ask me what they can do is like, don't like, don't inund like the family that's going through this is so inundated with so many things they have to do. Just don't like even if even if you miss like even if you don't hit the mark and do something that that doesn't quite work, it's fine. But don't put that burden on them. It's like oh. so, what I ended up doing was I, I wrote on my blog. I think like here are ways you can support me. <laughs> so I was just like people would go in there and just like you know it had write a letter in there, leave me a voicemail. You know, you can, here's a link to send me five bucks so I can like buy something later. Like that helped. Uh, but yeah, don't just say, oh, we're thinking about you. What can we do? Like that is the most annoying thing in the whole wide world. Like, man, just do something. Like get, I had friends that bought some flour, bought me flowers. That was really nice. They would buy cakes. I got inundated with so much food. Thank you to everyone that did that. But there were days where I literally couldn't eat anything, but it was great when I could. So I was like, oh, look at all these cookies. Absolutely. Uh, and stuff. And stuff like that. Yeah, that's the two biggest things to support. Just don't. I know you 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 care for someone uh, very deeply who has a tried, but don't be all up in their face about it. Like, give them some space. Their family and the, like whoever is going through this has a lot going through their mind. Kind of let them come to you when they're ready, as opposed to you like always insisting every day. 
uh, you know, some people are like that. But if you really want to support someone going through like this, let them come to you. Don't go to them. Man, I yeah, it's I'm very glad you said all that because that was that was something when as we were talking, I'm like, I want to make sure that people say that because I know for me. <laughs> I found it, there were certain individuals that I liked it from, and it was very few. I would say maybe two or three individuals I enjoyed it because of the relationship I have with that person. Uh, However, most people, and I will say the ones that drove me the most nuts, were the one people that you barely know. And you're like, I don't even really know who this person is, and they're asking me how I am, like... I mean, I, I honestly wanted to say, like, I wanted to lie and just make up crazy things just so they could I could drop the conversation. <laughs> like, right, right. I mean, it was just so awkward, and it, it's not genuine. When you don't really know someone, yeah. asking a true, sincere, like, hey, are you okay? Like, I'm sorry, I don't have that relationship with you. You, you, you aren't allowed to ask that. Like, I know that's that's right. harsh, but... You aren't like that's that's a certain kind of relationship. I feel like it's it's only a handful of people that get that they get that when you're going through something like that. Yeah, and it feels yeah. like it almost feels selfish. Like, hey, I'm asking you because I want to feel good that I'm doing that for you. Versus what what you really want to do is you want to go, hey, I want to make this person feel better. Versus make me yeah. feel better for asking. Because I'm like, oh, because that's the mm-hmm. easy thing, right? Like, hey, hey, Nico, how are yeah. you? Oh, I asked him how he is. Oh, thank God. I feel so much better now. That's I not like what you should do. Like, <laughs> yeah, 100%. You should be like, hey, I got a second. Um, I can make a video. And I know, like, you know, sometimes getting stuff to you uh, is hard for some people. But, like, we live in a digital world. There's lots of things you can do. Um, yeah. voicemails are right. great. Like, I mean, it's the best, like to get a voicemail or even the better is the video. Oh, man. I love it. I yeah, love, we love getting those videos and snail mail is great. And it doesn't take, I mean, honestly, like it might even take less time than trying to like ha- say, Hey, how are you? And wait for a response. Oh, good. He's good. Oh, good. I'm glad to hear. Like, I mean, like it, uh, taking a video with your smartphone in horizontal mode, please everybody. Um, yeah, oh my God. <laughs> I have a funny story. I should, oh I should say that I, I didn't actually end up doing it, but I really, really wanted to, but, um, and just some simple things like that. I think they mean a lot more and I think it's actually fulfilling what you're actually wanting to do. And it's a lot more meaningful for the actual person like you, who's actually receiving. Yeah. So one thing that was, so I, I mean, I had to deal with a lot of people that, Again, are not very close. Uh, they were friends of my in-laws, you know, which I, who I barely knew. But one thing they, a few of them, said to me was actually quite touching, and it was, "Hey, we know what you're going through, um, and we're praying for you." Mm-hmm. And I'm like, that that I can accept totally. because it wasn't like that. That's perfectly. I mean, please, I encourage you to do that. Like, I'm not a super religious person, but just you going out of your way to do that. Uh, is huge for me because I'm like, thank you so much. Like, that means a lot. Uh, so that is something if you're not very close to the person, like if you don't have a very like close relationship. And how do you define close? If you if you haven't been invited to dinner at this person's house, you're not close. <laughs> 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 wow, there, I love go. that. <laughs> there you go. That's that's how you can tell if you're close enough. So if you haven't been invited to this person's house, uh, or you had invited them to your house. 
do not, you don't get to ask like, how are you? But you are allowed to say, hey, uh, you know, I know what you're going through and I'm praying for you um, and I wish you the best. Like that, that is awesome. And I got that from a, lo- a lot from my in-laws friends who are older and, um, and who are not, and, and that, that was really nice. So I'll give them that. I, uh, I think that that's right. A statement versus a question, right? There you go. Yeah, if we could, if we could, if we could jumble it there, statement versus a question. But yeah, I mean, it for me at least. So six months into it now, people see me being normal, and you know, see me out, and they and they treat me like I'm normal, which is better. But I mean, when I was in the hospital, I used to get. This, I mean, we're also not meeting very often these days because they don't see me very often because of COVID. I, I'm holed up at home, so when they see me like being very normal and like. Oh, you have hair? <laughs> like, like, of course I have hair. <laughs> Why wouldn't I have hair? Uh, yeah, so then when they see me, they, they act a little surprised, but then it goes away, it's like, Nico's normal. So, like, let's treat him normal. That's great. Like, I don't want you to be treating me any different. Yes, I'm still an active, I'm, I'm still an active cancer patient, but I'm still Nico at the end of the day. I'm still normal. I'm still, uh, you know, for now, you know, knock on, knock on wood um, here. But, yeah, I just, I think that's the main thing. Um, let don't <laughs> let them come to you. Don't go to them, and all the, and all the other things we talked about. And I think that's a perfect way to wrap this up, Nico. Thank you so much for your time. I know this is a very I don't know what you want to call it intense conversation. So I do think having these conversations helps a lot of people, and it's not something a lot of people think about. So I do really appreciate you opening up and be willing to talk about this. Oh, of course. I mean, it helps me too because if someone wants to know what's going on, I can just refer people to this podcast <laughs> instead of me regurgitating or repeating myself. I mean, it's beneficial to it. I, I definitely think the more people know, the better it becomes. And, you know, that's definitely one thing I wanted with, even though I've been diagnosed with this chronic condition, I wanted to control the narrative and I, I tried to make things as informative as I can. So as long as I can share my story, I'm, 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 I don't like want to keep it a secret or anything. Uh, I mean, it's your prerogative, but I just choose to control my narrative and at least make something out of this that other people can use. Because as you, as we mentioned at the top of the, the recording here, the number of people that are going through this is alarming. I don't even know the real number, but I just know from my heart that it's a staggering number. Um, so if, if, if anybody out there, you know, learn something from my experience, I mean, that, that's all I can kind of hope for at this point. Nico, any shout outs or plugs before we wrap this thing up? Yeah, one actually. Uh, so one fun project, which is not cancer. I know we talked about cancer for an hour, but for almost an hour, but one fun project that I've been working on, um, is with my wife. Uh, so during the pandemic, one thing that she has done really well was she has been baking these awesome cookies. And every time she, I mean, she did it primarily just to like, uh, to beat stress <laughs> or, and find something to do. And she just became really, really good at it. And she started sharing with more of our friends and they were raving about it. And they've been telling her, you know, you got to sell this and you buy, you, you got to get in the, you know, the home food business that is going nuts right now. And we actually took the plunge and it, I mean, we're, we're like six months into it later, but she sold her first batch of cookies yesterday and she actually sold out. Uh, she made a very small batch. She sold out the entire batch in 41 minutes. Nice. Uh, Congratulations. Yeah. That's exciting. That's, that's awesome. That's, that's super exciting. A lot of it was bought up by our own friends, but doesn't you know, matter. Still exciting. 
still, yeah, we still sold out at 41 minutes. I'm so excited for her. I, of course, am uh, behind the tech of it all, uh, making sure, but she's the one that, you know, puts her heart and soul to baking these cookies. And she, and you can follow her price. Right now, we're only shipping to everyone in Sri Lanka. So if you're not in Sri Lanka, I'm sorry. Right? But maybe uh, one day, uh, you know, she could really take off and you'll see these cookies everywhere around the world. Uh, and the funny story is we ended up calling the cookies TBD. Like, we didn't know what to call these. We literally call it TBD for to be decided because we could figure anything out. So we actually call it TBD. We might change it later on or we might just keep it forever. But that's I our working like title. It. Yeah, it's, it's a working title. And she's on Instagram at TBD Cookies. T-B-D-C-O-K-I-E-S. Just watch her progress. They're amazing cookies. I love them. Uh, and I, I'm very biased, but I think they're very, very tasty. Uh, so if you're in Sri Lanka, yeah, follow that page. Maybe we'll, we can grab uh, a box when they go on sale again next week. She's making them week by week, uh, a very limited number, and it's first come, first serve. Yeah, it's very exciting. So it's been a nice non-cancer thing that we're doing together because 90% of other, all the other times what we're doing together is like dealing with cancer. But, so this has been a nice little distraction. That's awesome. Well, man, great talking to you. We'll, we'll touch you later. Yeah, bye everybody.